Previously on Flying the Line. Advancements in aircraft design inevitably led to increased efficiency and productivity. With TWA priding itself on being at the forefront of aircraft design and technology, it was all but certain that TWA's drive to be at the leading edge of air travel would lead to labor unrest with their pilots. However, in an effort to stymie any attempts at pattern bargaining, the Civil Aeronautics Board set up a new airline negotiating committee, attempting to force ALPA's hand at agreeing to a new contract to cover the latest four-engine planes that TWA was taking delivery of every day. ALPA was not having any of it and was steadfast in its opposition. In the midst of this conflict, ALPA President Dave Bankey who had been leading the charge against this new negotiating landscape, suddenly collapsed and had to be rushed to the hospital. Welcome to the Flying the Line podcast, a look into the past of the Airline Pilots Association, abridged from the book, Flying the Line, by George E. Hopkins. Chapter 12 the TWA strike of 1946, part two. Many pilots suspected that Banky had had a heart attack. The collapse was caused by a severe insulin deficiency brought on by a chronic diabetic condition he had concealed for years. It was probably aggravated by the strain of the accumulating troubles at TWA. Banky kept it a secret. Dave Richwine, who went to work for TWA in 1940, only to have his career interrupted by military service in World War II, became involved in ALPA work for the first time by serving as an observer during several mediation sessions in 1946. Selected as one of the 12 pilots that helped prepare exhibits, coordinate testimony, and witness the process, Richwine recalled that TWA's management wouldn't make any decisions throughout the negotiations and mediations. They often sent in lawyers who had no other purpose than to talk and prolong without any resolution, and the pilots were being outmaneuvered by these negotiations. The two parties would agree to something, and then management would renege. Nothing worked. Every avenue led to another dead end. Finally, ALPA had no alternative but to strike. Banky tried one last desperate ploy, sending Jimmy Rowe to talk to Jack Fry personally. Fry refused to budge, and at midnight on October 21, 1946, ALPA struck TWA, breaking relations between labor and management. From then on, it was economic warfare, a raw contest to see who ultimately had the power. Could ALPA withstand the forces of the marketplace? Would ALPA members hold the line and refuse to fly? Would TWA's management try to break the union in 1946, as it had done once before in 1933? These were not idle questions, for in the long history of pilot-management relations, the economic position of management has nearly always been stronger. In 1946, the labor market was bloated, with many thousands of ex-military pilots who had recent experience in four-engine aircraft looking for jobs. 
If the work stoppage at TWA went on long enough, there was a good possibility that an organization calling itself the Military Pilots Association might try to break the strike. The MPA turned out to be more formidable in appearance than it was in reality, but it gave ALPA loyalists a few uneasy moments in 1946. The MPA claimed a membership of 13,000 pilots, all of whom had allegedly flown for the Air Transport Command and saw an opportunity with TWA as the strike loomed. Their position was that while their pilots were not seeking jobs at the expense of airline pilots employed before Pearl Harbor, they felt that military pilots who served patriotically in the war deserve equal seniority with those who were hired as civilians during the war. In other words, anyone who didn't wear a uniform during World War II was a draft dodger and didn't deserve to be in an airline cockpit. Fortunately, the strike didn't last long enough to allow the Military Pilots Association an opening. On November 16, 1946, the strike ended with an agreement to arbitrate. Paul Richter signed for TWA, and Banky signed for ALPA. The strike lasted just three weeks, but it had dominated the national newswires, prompting a good deal of heated argument in Congress. Judge Frank Douglas of the National Mediation Board selected a neutral arbitrator, Judge Swacker, to lead a three-man panel. George Spader represented TWA, and Bob Buck represented ALPA. The arbitration process was a very trying one, as TWA experienced constant turmoil from the company side. New people would come in and get hard-nosed, and negotiations would drag out. Management would tout a pending bankruptcy one day, and then proclaim things were getting better the next. The actual arbitration took just about a week, and the biggest portions of the negotiations were reconciled without the arbitrator's assistance. The major issue was co-pilot pay, noteworthy as it was a transition period for the whole industry. Prior to that time, the co-pilot had been considered an apprentice, but the new philosophy of the era recognized that the co-pilot was an important part of the crew, not just a trainee. The neutral arbitrator was unconvinced by the new way of thinking, but after some back and forth, a deal was reached. The strike settlement was at best a mixed bag, but it did provide for across-the-board pay increases. Essentially, Judge Swacker extended the old Decision 83 formula up to 300 miles per hour, made minor pay adjustments in each category, and set up a minimum monthly figure for TWA's Intercontinental Division. Many TWA pilots were unhappy with the settlement, while others accepted it as reasonable. Everyone found something to grumble about. Bob Buck admitted to his fellow pilots that it wasn't perfect but it was an improvement. For an international pilot, it represented the highest salary paid anywhere. The settlement would enable an eight-year captain flying 1,000 hours per year to earn $14,550. By 1947, it began to dawn on some co-pilots that they might never make captain, 
that their number might never come up. At Pan American in particular, co-pilots with gray hairs was becoming commonplace. If the industry continued to modernize, continually introducing ever faster and larger aircraft, promotion in the cockpit might cease on every airline. The specter of a lengthy career in the right seat loomed, and many co-pilots wanted to make that unpleasant prospect as financially secure as possible. As a result, the factor in the 1947 TWA arbitration that raised the most hackles was probably the settlement on co-pilot pay. Although it increased salaries, the settlement did nothing to change the old flat monthly salary system. Co-pilots in that era wanted increment pay based on a percentage of the captain's pay, but that idea was still ahead of its time. Although no one could know it, the vexing problem of proper compensation was still years away from a solution. A great deal of internal turmoil lay in Alba's immediate future, some of it owing to the intractable nature of the opposition, some of it to the nature of Banky's leadership. As 1947 dawned, many pilots were increasingly uneasy about Banky, but the idea of bringing down this mighty old oak of a man was something everybody shrank from. Banky was what we would call today a micromanager, a loner who had to know every single thing that was going on in Alpa. But as Alpa grew, this trait was no longer compatible with the industry. He didn't delegate authority and bore a tremendous workload, working day and night. He devoted his full attention to the TWA strike, and consequently, things weren't getting done elsewhere in the association, particularly over at American Airlines, where trouble was brewing. Next time, another strike looms on Alpa's horizon as the association continues to grow. Thank you for listening. This has been part two of chapter 12 of Flying the Line by George E. Hopkins. Copyright 1982. We hope you have enjoyed this podcast. To listen and subscribe to more in this series, please check us out online at alpa.org or on Apple Podcast, Stitcher, or other podcast platforms. Until next time, this is the Flying the Line podcast, a look into the past of the Airline Pilots Association. Production copyright ALPA 2020. All rights reserved.